Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. In 1997, Bucko 9's My Town went into radio rotation. It did well, very well actually, but due to some delays in video production, the group weren't able to get much MTV play, which put the song in a weird gray area between mainstream and indie success. Still, they are one of the better remembered groups from the era, and they toured nonstop. They hit the road with probably every single ska band that existed at the time, along with some unexpected groups like Primus and Smash Mouth. Today, we discuss all things Buck 09 with three members of the group, guitarist Jonas Kleiner, singer John Pebsworth, and trumpet player Tony Curry. I toured with Buck 09 twice back in the day. We actually did, Link 80 did Buck 09's last tour. They treated us so well. Like, we were like their like, weird little brothers. And it was so, they treated us so nice. The funny thing about Buck 09 is up until this point before we interviewed them, they have come up several times on the podcast. And it's always in context of like, yeah, uh, we were on tour with Buck 09. Like, I feel like they toured with every band because they're in so many stories. I feel like they toured a lot. I feel like they also get get lumped in as being, you know, a, a 90s ska band. But they were almost, I mean, they're definitely much more like punk mentality then they get credit for. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And and I, I think like when people hear the stories they tell, it, it will make that very, very clear. I love Buck 09. So we had, uh, we had Jay Navarro on the show uh, earlier this year. And uh, he was talking about uh, a tour that he did with you guys. It's the tour where uh, Suicide Machines got signed by Hollywood Records. Oh yeah. That yeah. was when we, um... <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's when, um, Here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll, I have photos of that whole tour, including photos of the suicide machines playing on stage naked in, um, in, uh, Gainesville, Florida. It was awesome. It was like the raddest tour ever. Cause we were both so broke our bands and we were like, it was like, we could draw in some cities and other cities. Like no one even knew what the fuck was going on. <laughs> Those are the best circumstances to be touring under. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That was though one of the funnest tours I think we ever did. Yeah. And it was super early on too for us. I don't remember what year it was, but yeah, but I do remember Suicide Machines like getting the phone call that their deal went through with Hollywood Records. I think we were in Baltimore or something like that. And that's and to celebrate Royce 
took a shit on stage after we were done playing <laughs> yeah. club, at memory lane and the the club owner was so obviously pissed but he didn't find out about it until a few days later because i guess it was just sitting there while the club was like <laughs> taking a couple nights off or some shit <laughs> it was waiting for him for his return oh wow Royce is not allowed at that club probably ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the couple details that um, Jay mentioned, I'm just curious what this scene was like for you. So if one detail was that they got robbed like a day or two before that Baltimore show. Oh, yeah. I remember in, uh, I think it was in Atlanta, Georgia or something, somewhere in the South. Yeah, I don't remember where they got robbed, but I remember, uh, yeah, Baltimore was where the Hollywood Records and our guy showed up. To watch, to watch them to sort of make that final call. They'd are they've been robbed. Uh, they were the drummer. I think was like didn't even like all his clothes was taken. The guitarist had guitars stolen from him. Oh yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, yeah. And then the show at Baltimore. Him and his wife came to check check the show out. There's like nobody there, and yeah, there was no one there. <laughs> supposedly the the owner of the club. Uh, wasn't going to pay you or, and so they just went crazy and they're tearing apart the club. And that's yeah. Why Royce took a shit. On yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember that part. Jeez. So they're doing this in front of a guy from Hollywood. That's wanting to sign them too. So, <laughs> and he signed them and he signed them. They were great. Like live. They had a very rad chemistry in those years. I mean, they have a rad chemistry to this day, but like, for example, I keep talking about Royce and Derek. It's like, those guys were just insane. I mean, obviously, Derek went on to be an Alkaline Trio. And Royce was, holy shit, he was just like a, a monster punk rock bass player and just such a hilarious guy. It was just, you know, at one of the... Um, one of the, I loved him so much that the next time we went on tour with them, I think it was a Canadian tour like a couple years later, and we were playing at the, um, it was in Toronto at the El Macombo Club. And for my town, our quote unquote big song, um, I just gave my guitar to Royce because he'd been bugging me the whole tour. He's like, dude, I know how to play that song. So finally at the <laughs> El Macombo, I just gave him my guitar and um, he played it. And it was the trippiest thing. I just wa watching Bucko Nine with Royce on guitar from the side of the stage, I, I started to get jealous. I'm like, Fuck! Like, <laughs> but I was kind of rat. I was like stoked, but kind of jealous. Man, I don't time. even remember that either. Jeez, <laughs> Tony, do you remember this this stuff? Yeah, I remember it. I remember the shit more than anything, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's when I was like, "All right, yep, this is gonna be. I'm gonna learn a lot." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tony, what do you remember about the shit? I just remember. I was thinking he's not going to pull his pants down or like right here and just do this in front of everybody. And then he did that. I'm always not going to be able to push the turd out. No way. Now everyone's watching and, and he does it. And, and he, but the most crazy part about it was that he didn't wipe his butt or nothing. He just pulled it right back up and just walked off. <laughs> it's like, yeah. over here. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> I think that was I remember that though I remember they had their ro the roadie guy that was with him Steve and it was like and that was his claim to fame he's all I can take a shit on the ground 
and he not would. have to t- not have to wipe my ass. Yeah. <laughs> so I believe he must have um, spread that throughout the band, and they mastered it. They mastered that. Yeah, yeah. they figured it out. I'm still trying to figure I mean, it out to this day. Yeah. yeah. Save a lot of money on toilet paper that way. Yeah, well, all this to- to- toilet paper shortage back a few uh, months ago, it would have been awesome to be able to do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> dude, my old roommate had a solution to that. He's all, dude, just when you take a shit, don't, you don't need to wipe your ass, just take a shower. Oh, yeah, I did that. Yep, that'll work. I do that. And now I do that all the time. Do you look at your water bill? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. I did it on, on tour at somebody's house. I went into their bathroom and there was no toilet paper in the bathroom. And it was like a couple of days of no shower. So I just got in the shower and yep. sprayed it off. Got Everybody's it, like, you just got a shower? Yeah. I was like, I'll explain later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, the people that have bands stay stay the night, I think they know what they're getting into. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, Especially in those days. Oh, God, yeah. I remember, yeah, staying at some tore up house in the middle of the summer in Houston and waking up and it was hot as fuck and and um, I had a massive hangover and I stunk so bad. And I was like, and the people were kicking us out and I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to take a shower right now. And I just ran in. <laughs> I came right out. I was soaking wet. I'm like, you got a towel. They're like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Get, taking a shower on tour was, yeah, if you can get one, man, within like, you know, three or four weeks, like you, you, you were lucky. You know, like, should I, should I sleep or should I shower? Like, you know, like get that shower while you can, you know? Totally. Do you remember like a uh, uh, worst, worst house you ever crashed at? Oh my God. Oh Rusty. yeah. Rusty. <laughs> Rusty's house, man. What city was that? New Jersey. It was yeah. somewhere in New Jersey. Princeton, like where that college is. Princeton. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Remember, I woke up on the floor and I, I turned and looked to my on the left side of my face. There was a pretzel and it had hair on it. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, like a full on afro, not a little bit of fuzz. I'm talking it was furry as heck, but it was shaped like a pretzel. <laughs> I thought it was some kind of caterpillar or something was gonna roll run off. I'm like what is that thing? It was nasty. And dude, and he lived right across the street from a graveyard too. Yeah. Cemetery. cemetery. Yes. It was yeah. a trip. I it remember sleeping nice on the house. kitchen floor. Yeah. But on the inside, it was it was just so nasty. You almost had to stand up in, in between a door arch to be in a clean spot. It was just, it was nasty. But hey, we had to get some sleep. So I just slept in my clothes, put my sleeping bag inside out, slept like that. I was good to go. <laughs> I just used my backpack as a pillow and slept on the kitchen floor of that place, dude. Yeah. Wow. It was still better than being in the van. After a while you get you just you'll sleep anywhere to get out of that van, you know. For sure. So so worst worst place to sleep. What about best place? Like w- did you guys ever get put up anywhere super nice? Oh, for me it was Japan. The first time we went to yeah? Japan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The hotel room was all decked out for us. It was a welcoming uh, vet, uh fruit basket. It was our name. Uh, the, it was from the the, um, the owner of Toys Factory, the record label owner, and uh, it was just we were welcome big time. Like there were people there waiting to cater to us, and it, it was just it was nice. And they had a bidet, so it was the first time I experienced yeah. that. I didn't know what, I didn't know what was happening. 
till I hit the school. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, I run out and want to tell everybody, hey, guys, check this out. Go in the bathroom. Try this thing, you know. <laughs> so rad. Oh, dude. I would, yeah. yeah. I mean, I sat on that toilet for like 45 minutes just having right? that. Spraying, right? Just clean me out. Like, yeah. Dude, so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just all, all of Buck just taking a turn, getting their butt spread. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah. I remember that too. It was rad. Like, when we first pulled up to that hotel, Oh, yeah. And there was there was fucking kids in the lobby of the hotel. Yeah, there was probably like a good fifteen or twenty kids in the hotel with like Bucko Nine like posters and CDs and like all kinds of shit. Yeah, and they're like, we walk in and and we didn't know what was happening, and they're like, hey, can you guys sign our shit? And we're like, what the fuck? How'd you guys even know we were gonna be here? And they're like, oh, you know, everybody knows that. Or whatever, and we were just tripping out, like, "What the fuck? This is some rock star shit." We had never been there, of course. It was our first time. Never. We didn't yeah. know if they knew our songs or not. You know, we we're just like, it was just rad to go there and be be able to play, and then to get there. And, and most, of, I, I would say, maybe one or two people spoke English, but everyone else was. It was so polite, so yeah. Um, they yeah. made their own line to 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 talk to us and. It was just insane. And then after that, of course, we're walking to the venues to play. And there's a line of people outside the building wrapped around. And we're like, what? You know, how is this even possible? But yeah, it, yeah. it happened. And uh, yeah, it was just a great experience. I, I loved it. And then what do, what do you guys remember from being on stage in Japan? Like I, I Link A got to go over and play a couple shows in Japan. And I felt like the experience was completely different than it is here or anywhere else we toured what was it like for y'all i'll tell you the this and this goes down in one of the greatest moments of my life personally i'll never forget it as long as i live i remember the very first show we walked on stage and we had looked at the out at the crowd before we went on stage and they were all sitting down on on the ground there was probably i don't know how many people there probably like seven or eight hundred people and they're all sitting Indian style on the ground. And we thought, oh, my God, what is this? We don't understand how this show is going to go. Like, what are we going to do? Yep. And next thing we know, we walk out on stage and boom, they all pop up to their feet. And they all just come right up to the stage. We start playing the first song. And immediately, everyone's just yelling and screaming and cheering, you know, mm. with their hands in the air and stuff. And when I got up to sing the first lyric of the first song, I put my mouth up to the microphone and immediately I heard the entire crowd singing the, the, the song with me. And I thought, what, what the fuck this? And it just, I got so choked up with this like overwhelming feeling of like, this is so amazing that it took me about five or six seconds to even jump back in because they were singing along and I'm thinking, man, this is some lyrics that I wrote in my bedroom and my boxers at like three o'clock in the morning <laughs> drunk off my ass. And now there's this like crowd of Japanese kids singing it back and like the band's going off. And I was like, man, this is the shit. I'll yeah. never forget that as long as yeah. I live. That was the greatest, one of the greatest moments of my life, man. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Was, yeah. I, I remember it the same way. Yeah. 
Yep. It was nuts. It's almost like that, you know, how people that do heroin, they're like, ah, that first fucking thing of heroin was quite, <laughs> quite outstanding. And I've just been chasing it ever since. Yep. And like, I'm not saying I'm chasing it ever since, but that was a pretty fucking highlight moment. Yeah, that was right. Uh, you know, there's been some there's been some moments that have come close and that have been pretty great since then. But that stands out to me as one of the greatest can we step back and talk about the uh, formation of the band, which was, I think it was like 91. Any of you guys actually in the very, very, very beginning formation of the band? Because I was reading, it sounded like you guys, all three of you joined shortly after it formed. Yeah, um, I think, well, the very original lineup of the band in, uh, included Steve, our drummer, who's now our drummer again. Um for the last like six or seven years, maybe eight years now. Yeah. Um, but, and then um, our original bass player, Scott, uh, another guitar player, uh, Craig, what our sax player now, he, he was there. Um, and so then those guys kind of started it. And then eventually they had a singer before me for a minute um, who they eventually decided they didn't want to have in the band and then eventually the guitar player that was there, we decided that we didn't want him in the band. We found Jonas. And then Dan, our trombone player, uh, was in the band originally too. And he brought his best friend, Tony, um, who's here now with us, um, in shortly after. So yeah, so me, Jonas, and Tony kind of came into the band like in the early, but not at the very, very beginning, you know? Yeah. But the previous, up until Pebs um, joined, all the lyrics were, none of the lyrics that are in any of our songs. No, yeah. Yeah, when I joined, they had probably like a good five or six songs, maybe maybe a few more together, like organized, like things that they, they're, uh, their old singer had written lyrics to, and they decided when they kicked out that, that dude or, or whatever he left, I don't, I don't remember. I don't know what happened because I wasn't there, but um, so they have these like kind of like slates of songs. And that's when I, I, I came in and I'm like, well, I, I'll write lyrics to those songs that are already done, you know? So that's how the first like big batch of songs that were on that first album songs in the key of Brie came to be. You know, they were already like, I had already written those lyrics, like when I was in high school and shit, you know? What was he writing lyrics about? I have no idea. I never heard them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I, I said, I, was, I wasn't there. None, none of the three of us were yeah. there, so we couldn't really say. So who was behind the name uh, Buck09? That was the original group of guys, and none of them fucking remember anything about it some of them say oh well we were having band practice and we tried to throw some money together to get beer and all we had together was like a buck oh nine they thought that was really funny um and then some of them remember it being like well you know that eddie murphy bit when he's talking about michael jackson not weighing nothing but a buck oh nine you know um some some of them remember it being that so none of us really know. There's a Steve Martin movie, I think The Jerk, yeah, where he like had to refund everyone who bought the Optograb like a dollar and nine cents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so wow. the name is a total 
elusive thing. It was meant to be. I think the name was just, you know, it was beamed down from above in anticipation <laughs> of like the real book oh nine. Yeah. And at that time they were just like, I don't get it. We have this name, but yeah. You know. What was the ska scene like when you guys were first starting and stuff? It was cool. I mean, it wasn't anything like it is or it went on to be. But I mean, I remember we played shows with Mob Town from they're an LA band and yeah. Meal Ticket uh-huh. and Unsteady from here and um, you know, Voodoo Glow Skulls. And um it, it was cool because it was really underground and the sometimes we would get on shows that were like punk shows. So it was like I always felt like wow, this is interesting because it's like sometimes we play and there's all these rude boys and sometimes we play and there's like all these skinheads or like Liberty Spike kids, you know? So um, I don't know. I think ska, you know, is like if you think about where Southern California, the ska sound came from. I mean, there's bands before Buck 09 and all these bands like um, obviously the Untouchables had that soul mod ska thing going on donkey show and um there's some busters yeah fishbone oh yeah of course you know like gods yeah i thought i thought like at the time like when that when we kind of first jumped into it it was it was really kind of a cool thing and it resembled it resembled the two-tone era more than it became you know in the in the years to come um I think that, you know, like in the years to come, it kind of became a little silly in some some cases, you know, which was like, which is fine, you know. But um, some of the stuff, like the bands that we were inspired by were like, obviously, the Boston's, Voodoo Glow Skulls, you know, um, Gangster Fun, you know, Fishbone, The Toasters, MU330, you know, so totally. yeah, gangster fun and yeah, 30. Yeah, yeah, that was our first, yeah. our very first tour was with ME330 and gangster fun. And obviously, oh, yeah. Ivy obviously had a huge, you know, impact on, on us. And, and then a lot of like, you know, Tony and Dan brought in a lot of like their, um, they, those guys were just so hyper into reggae, you know, and that element I thought was really, really cool for us because like me and Jonas were, um, you know, more like punk rock inspired dudes, you know, and in terms of our songwriting and stuff, right? Yeah. You know? And then like Pez Tony and, I and Dan bonded over GBH. Yeah, GBH, you know, <laughs> was like our favorite band together at the time. And so I think that like the combination of all those the different influences in from the different dudes in our band, like created a really cool formula for us that exists to this day because we're still, you know, basically the same seven dudes. We'll be right back after this. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. It's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. 
These are GA plus and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. I've heard I've heard that San Diego is a very uh, reggae, very reggae oriented town. It's a very large reggae scene. Does that check out? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, that's what I pretty much grew up listening to. You know, mostly like, well, you know, I listen to Run. I'm I'm a older guy, so I listen to a lot of Grandmaster Flash, Run DMC, you know, LL Cool J. Um, but in reggae, you know, I was listening to Steel Pulse, Gregory Isaac. Pato Barton, and those are the people I would go see live, you know. And it was always a reggae club. Uh, the Winston's uh, was a club down by the beach. Um, that I would, me and Dan would go to a lot. And there was a band that got really, really popular in California or San Diego uh, called Common Sense. And so me and Dan used to go watch them all the time. And um, and there was a Wednesday night reggae, then it'll be a Thursday night, and a Friday, and a Saturday. So it's like you can find reggae just about almost every day, really, in San Diego. So we were really, uh, you know, the vibe and the, the, the people, the energy, and the and bands. Most of those bands, if not all of them, pretty much had horns. So it was like, yeah, me and Dan were horn players. We like we you know, we wanted to see bands play horns, and and we were in a reggae band. Um, called uh, T.R.E. Dread, and we still play with them from time to time. But that was what we what influenced influenced us, and uh, yeah, it's a it was a big scene. Now I don't, uh, you know, a couple of years ago before I moved, it seemed like that kind of like faded away because it was more like uh, like the slightly stupid type of reggae, like it was a little yeah, a little bit more mainstream. I I would say you know, uh, so uh, but. You know, that flavor that what John was talking about earlier, me and Dan, I remember when I first tried out uh, to play in Buckle Nine, I remember getting there and everyone's playing and Dan Howard already explained to me, hey, it's a little different, dude, than what you, what we normally play. <laughs> uh, I'm like, what do you mean? He's all, well, uh, people kind of, they're kind of crazy. I'm like, what? What do you mean? He's all, well, they like jump around and run and it's like they're trying to kill each other, but they don't kill each other. I'm like, what? So like, 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 don't make no sense, dude. I'm all, I'm all like drunk or something. He's like, yeah, yeah, kind of like drunk, but no one gets in fights and start, you know, cops don't come and all that stuff. I'm like, all right, all right. He's all, and they need a, a, some more horns and should just come check it out. I'm like, all right. So I get there and I'm just kind of, Sitting back, the band starts to play, and I'm looking, I'm listening, I'm like, thinking, oh, they're, they're gonna go crazy in a minute. Something's gonna happen, but nothing happened. Uh, but the, the the music was way faster than what I'm I was used to hearing. And I'm like, well, I got ideas, but I don't know if it's gonna work. And I'm like, it's kind of like reggae, but I'm gonna have to play it way faster to make it work with this. And I, I remember the guys were like, dude, just play whatever you want. Anything you want to play, just just jam, just go for it. I'm like, all right. And then I start playing like some reggae horn line ideas that I had. And and I look at the rest of the guys and they're like, got this look on their face. Like, yeah, 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 keep doing that. And so I kept playing. And I'm like, all right, 
I'm stoked on this. This is rad. I'm down. <laughs> and then and then they turn. I'm all. What do you guys think? They go. Oh, you're in the band. If you, you're in the band. You you're you're definitely in the band if you want to be. I'm like, all right. And sure enough, first show we played, I think it was downtown somewhere. And Are I remember you, the yeah, the original boy. Soma. Yeah, and I remember standing there stiff as a board because that's kind of how I played. You know, I just we would get smoke weed and just chill back and. And not move, but I remember looking at the crowd and going, these guys are going crazy. Like they're <laughs> running around, their elbows are out, people are getting knocked down. For some reason, they're jumping on the stage. I don't know why, but everyone's cool with it, so I'm cool with it. And then now, of course, I, I get it. I got, I got it shortly after that, but it was just like, that's that was my introduction. And that's, uh, I know it's way further than the question, but I just wanted to make sure I explained that too, you know. Because it was a big difference for me, but I, I am so happy that I was a part of that, and it opened my eyes. So I would go back to my neighborhood in the hood, and I'm tell, I was talking to these guys about Pennywise and social distortion, and they like play, and I play, and they go, "What is that?" I'm like, I, I can't explain it. You got you got to listen to it, you know. So I started <laughs> spreading it out in my neighborhood, you know. Next thing you know, I got all the, all these homies coming to the show, you know. <laughs> From Skyline, you know, and they're like, yeah, this is sick. This is sick. I'm like, all right, cool. That is pretty cool. You're probably the first punk rocker in, um, on Sears in Avenue Skyline. where you lived. Yeah. In yeah. <laughs> all the gang members and the bus and all stuff. They're like playing Bunko Nine <laughs> and put their, their, their uh, Alpine stereos and their 22 inch woofers and stuff. Like, yeah, dude, it was sick. It was sick. Oh, that's so yeah. good. So you mentioned you mentioned the tour, um, ME three thirty and Gangster Fun. We uh, we were talking to John Bunkley, and he mentioned that tour as being a particularly uh, difficult tour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I might be wrong, I might be remembering this wrong, but I think he said everyone was getting sick, and yep. <laughs> MU MU dropped out, Gangster Fun dropped out, but you guys were just nope. We're gonna stick. We're going to stay on this tour no matter what. Well, yeah. I mean, as far as the sick part goes, like, yeah, I think Ted had testicular cancer in our, and that from MU330. And then from our band, um, all the horn players got sick. Um, And Tony, tell them the story about how you had to take a bus home and the fucking feds, like. Oh, yeah. That whole shit. Oh, my God. Oh, my. Let's hear it. So I'm on a bus, sick as heck. Um, I got, you know, I'm dressed in all black. I got my hoodie on. I'm trying to stay warm because I got a fever and I'm cold. I don't really know what's going on. I just know it's cold, but I'm sick. So um, we had, I was on the Greyhound. So I left the band to go back home because I just couldn't do it. I was shaking. I couldn't, uh, I was dizzy. And and it was a real hard decision to to leave, but I had no choice. I had to do it. Felt like I was going to die or something, you know? So I, I, the guys dropped me off at the bus station, Greyhound bus station. I get on the bus. We're riding for hours and hours and hours and hours. Then we have this bus stop. And I go inside in Memphis. I go inside. I go in the bathroom. And I'm getting ready. I'm going to, to take a leak. And then all of a sudden, boom, the door hits me in the back. My stuff is hanging out because I'm about to take a piss. <laughs> and I'm like peeing all over the place. I'm trying to put put my stuff back together, you know. <laughs> and I turn around and look 
and there's a shotgun, two barrels in my face, pointing directly Whoa. at me. And these guys are dressed, they're undercover cops, so I don't know who they are. <laughs> I'm thinking, first thing I think, I'm getting ready to die. So I'm freaking out, I'm shaking, and I, I don't know to put my hands up or to let go of my zipper. I don't know what to do because I'm scared they're going to shoot. And they told me, don't have to move. I'll move. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And they tell me that they want to know who, what's my name. I tell them my name is Tony. And they tell me I'm lying. Tell me your <laughs> name. Tell me your name. I'm, my name is Tony. My name is Tony. And I, they think I'm someone else. And then I go, oh, my name's Anthony. And then so now they think I'm lying. But I'm like, that's my nickname. And, I, and I'm freaking out. So I can't answer any question right. And then there's like five other guys next to the guy with the gun. They're all holding guns out. Well, I'm focusing on the one with the shotgun pointing straight at me. So then they throw me down and they put my hands behind my back. They, they handcuff me and they put me up against the sinks. And they're asking me all these questions. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I'm, I'm on my way home. Where did you come from? And I can't think straight. I don't know because I've been traveling. So every day I wake up in a different city. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And they go, you either tell us the truth or, you know, don't lie to us, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God, what is going on? And I realize they're cops. And I'm like, you guys got the wrong person, man. I'm not who you guys are looking for. And they go, and basically they've heard that a million times. So they're not trying to hear me. Finally, I get to go get my bag and give them my ID. And they look at it and they just hand it back to me. And they look at each other and go, it's not him. And then they go, you can go. <laughs> and they just leave. They just left. Yeah, what the fuck? They didn't say, oh they didn't say sorry or nothing. No, no I got sorry or anything. All over me, you know? Uh, <laughs> you know? And, and I'm sick as heck. And I just left my bandmates where I feel like I let them down because I couldn't stay, you know? And here I'm in, in Memphis at a Greyhound bus station, and everyone's looking at me like I'm some criminal. And I'm like, and I get back on the bus. Luckily, the bus didn't leave yet. And everyone's looking at me like, well, he, he, something's up with this dude. So no one wants to sit next to me now. You know, I'm like, this is crazy. But that was my, that was what happened to me on that tour. It was called the Scom, Scomageddon tour. Scomaloozer like, Scom, or something. But we, yeah, we call it Scomaloozer. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause it was, dude, I mean, I just remember, was that the, um, the tour when um, Rob, you know, their trombone player of MU330, <laughs> and like he was hanging out um, in front of a club and I think he had a bad day or something. He's all, dude, we're just losers, man. Yeah. So we just, started calling adopted it. But I'll tell you what, though, that tour was a tour that I was like, there's nothing. If I hear any bands complaining about the air conditioning and my van broke or we had to sleep on the floor, there was only two beds in the room. If I hear any of that crap, I'm like, ah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wake them up real quick. Because all the bands that we toured with back then, that's the kind of stuff they dealt with. And they were, so, you know, you got to respect the bands that, that do it that way, you know? So I I felt like, yeah, we paid some dues and we'll and we'll pay some more, and if we can handle that, we can handle just about anything. So that's why, uh, for till this day, I don't think you can really do anything to surprise us or affect us. We're gonna play our butts off for one person. If it's supposed to be two thousand, we'll play the same for one or two thousand. 
till this day. It doesn't matter, you know. So, so you so this you said this was your first ever tour. This was that was the first tour that that did it for me, where I was like, yeah, yeah. I can. Well, not John Bunkley was telling you about the Scama Loser tour. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, they called it originally. It was called the Scamageddon. Scamageddon tour, but then we eventually ended up calling uh, about ten days into it. I think we termed it the yeah. Scamaloser. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that the tour, Jonas? Where we weren't even supposed to be on the we were we were added on the bill at the last second. Yeah. So kind of. Yeah. We got there. That's when people thought we were going to be this other band, and when we get up there, they're like, "Who is these idiots?" And it was us, you know? (laughs) So every night we had to play and tell them who we were because we weren't on the bill. The Flyers still had the other band's name on it, you know? Who was the other, who was the other band? Whoever, like whatever Midwest ska band was like (laughs) touring at that time. Um, Oh, it'll come to me in a second. I just remember. Yeah. Bunkley would know. Yeah. But, But I remember that that band was not ska. I remember that. For a fact, because everyone's like, oh, yeah, they're going to hate you guys. <laughs> they told us because you're not like they were like some kind of metal or some type of band. And then we go up there and people are like, what is this crap? You know, <laughs> it's like, so yeah, it was, it was a trip, man. It was a trip. Yeah. But we managed to like organize ourselves in such a short period of time. We even we figured out how to buy a va- like we we bought a van and yeah, we were picking the van up. Tending the windows, putting all the stuff in it. You guys remember we uh, we decided the only way we could buy a van was to we we threw we went to a couple of swap meets and everybody in the band like took all their shit, their random shit that they didn't want or didn't need anymore, and we all just showed up together and we sold all this stuff at fucking swap meet in, in Spring Valley, Kobe's. Yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't Colby's. It was Spring Valley. Oh, Spring Valley by Dan's house? By, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, by Dan's house. And we sold all this shit. And we made enough money to buy a van so we could go on this tour. And it's all happened within like three weeks yeah. or something like that. Yeah, we were high. Remember I tinted all the windows? Yeah, we, were, we were dedicated. We put dude. that converter in there to, so we can have a TV in there and stuff. Yeah. To play yeah. video yeah. games. Yeah. Oh, that's the best. And we made that Mark Zone. <laughs> the mark zone, right. we made that mark yeah. zone in the back where you couldn't get out of that spot unless the van was parked and the door was open so yeah. if you're back there like and, a sleeping you, know, you wanted to get out you're staying there That's it was kind of it's, your it's called the, the marp zone because as in marsupial zone like yeah. you're a little baby in a, in a marsupial <laughs> pouch and, and you kangaroos yeah, and you can't yeah. get out <laughs> no nope you can't see either but you, no, you can't just see yeah. yeah nope <laughs> I remember we got into an accident, dude, on the road one time. Oh and yeah, Scott was in the back. And he was screaming his butt off. Ah! We were spinning around and bouncing all over the place. Almost went off the side of the. That was in Canada. He- we were like in the snow, and we fucking um, barreled through the snow. And somebody was in the marsupial zone. I can't remember who it was. It was it was Scott. It was, it was so Scott. Scott. Okay, yeah. He, when we opened the door, he came out. He was staggering. He threw up everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. yeah. That was crazy. I was on the front bench and it, everything happened in slow motion. And I, I knew in my heart we'd be okay, but I was tripping hard. Like what the We did fuck? like a full on 360 and barreled yeah. into this. Oh yeah. I remember going, why is the freeway going this way? Why, why is, 
It was just spinning around. <laughs> and we forgot Scott was in the back. We just all got out. And we were like trying to catch our breath. And, oh, man, that was crazy. And we heard, boop, 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 boop. Hey! <laughs> like, oh, shoot, Scott's back there. And then we open the door and he staggers out. And he's puking everywhere. We're like, oh, dude, sorry. We forgot you're back there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fucking gnarly. Wow. Yeah. There was a tour with Link 80, Edna's Goldfish, and Buck 09. What happened on this tour with you guys? I think that was a tour where we were throwing um, gallons of water out of the van. And, and they, <laughs> so they see. No, yeah, that did happen. Yep. What happened? So tell me, tell this story, and then we'll talk about the other thing. Was that the tour where John Bell like got sick and, and we had to drop him off in the hospital? And basically we had to. Yeah, yeah. But let's let's talk about the food fight first. Yeah. <laughs> the love for, remember they threw some stuff out and it hit our van we're like oh you want to start that because uh, they were we're on the freeway doing probably 80 miles an hour trying to mess make each other like go off the road like turn the lights off get real close turn the lights on just being crazy right so they thought it'd be cool to grab a bunch of their trash and throw it out and hit our windshield so we couldn't see you know so we're like okay so me and dan <laughs> filled up this uh loaf of bread that bag full of milk and we and bread and milk all kinds of stuff and then we drove in front of them with the lights off and then we threw the freaking the, the bag of milk and bread out and it hit their windshield and it didn't see anything shit so went white yeah we pulled over to the gas station they go you win hands up we lose we lose we're like all right <laughs> you know yeah yeah. yeah, I think I think one of us like hung like a like a white flag up. Yeah. Yes, that's what it was. Like dirty that's what it was. <laughs> oh man, that was so fun. Well, I also I also gotta say that we were we were just in a 15 passenger van and you guys were in an RV. Oh, that's right. And so that's you guys right. you guys had a fridge full of food. Yep, we had a fridge. We had way more stuff to throw out. <laughs> we started shit and we're like, oh, we're out. We yep. we're gunned. <laughs> Too much shit. Yeah. That's what touring's all about, right there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, so then, the first night that that Edna's met up on the tour, Club Laga in Pittsburgh, uh, John Bell keels over backstage. Walk us through the story from from your guys' point of view. Um, well, I I remember it because I was with him, like trying to help him breathe and like conserve his blood because he was here. He was fucked up. To be honest, it was a very dire scenario, but he had this very rare thing that none of us had ever heard of before with his, uh, it's not, it's, yeah, it's not diverticulitis, but it's some, it's Meckles, Meckles, diverticulitis. So yeah, so he, um, had it and it happened after a White Castle, we played the Chicago, he played at the Fireside Bowl and afterwards, I remember yep. we went and got White Castle because, you know, Bell's like so stoked on that. And then um, by the time we got to Pittsburgh, he was just like kind of concerned, like, yeah, dude, I've been going to the bathroom. Blood's coming out. And I'm like, Whoa. I'm like, oh, shit. And and he's like, but I think I'll, I'll be OK, because maybe it was like something from White Castle Ooh. or something. Yeah. And so. <laughs> So then we all thought that might be like, oh, okay. I love that reasoning. I know it's like, a normal reaction. Yeah, yeah. But, but then at sound check, all of a sudden he went white and he was down and we went and we took him back to like the dressing room. And I remember I'm just like, 
it was trippy because I knew there was it was bad. And so I'm like, okay, dude, we're just gonna like get you on your back and we're gonna get your knees up and the you know, elevate you so your blood and just breathe and like breathe with me. And then I kept going, call fucking 911, call fucking 911. And so the paramedics came, but they were downstairs having a yeah, they were just having a no, they couldn't get in. I don't even know what the fuck was well, happening. It was three the the club was like three stories up. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. was a line of people going up from the bottom all the way up. So they were kind of like they didn't know where to go, where the problem was. So they're just kicking it downstairs, waiting for someone to tell them where to go. And then when they realized it, they're like everyone had to come out up from the line all the way to the top three stories, all the way down. They had to remove everyone so they can make room because the stairs were narrow as heck. So to get someone down on the stretcher, it had to be cleared out. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that was hardcore. And they took him to the hospital, and it was like we were told by. Um, I, I guess the doctor, or I don't even know how we got this information, but it was just like, yeah, he has a 50, 50 chance. He'll, he might die. Yeah. Oh my God. And I was just like, what in the fuck? Like it was, I mean, it's like one thing to like have to cancel the tour, but another for like your friend bandmate to die. You know what I'm saying? Like right on tour. It's just like, what the fuck? And um, yeah, luckily he survived and um, <laughs> he went on to continue to eat shitty food and we were playing a show in Flagstaff like a few weeks later or maybe it was a month or two yeah, months. Yeah, you met up with us in Flagstaff. Yeah, and, yeah. and of course he had to fucking eat sliders at AM, PM or whatever. And we're just like, dude, your your stomach, you're like your whole system is sensitive. You probably, he's just like, whatever. And um. <laughs> so yeah, he had to go to the fucking emergency room. And I remember all you guys were in the fucking waiting room in Flagstaff, like just chilling. We ended up staying in Pittsburgh for like three or four days while he was in the hospital oh, yeah. waiting for his thought, parents. We, oh yeah. Right. Yep. Remember? And like, were coming there and we didn't want to leave them. Yeah. We didn't want to leave. We didn't know what to do. And then we ended up having to um, cancel the most of the tour dates. And then, drive all the way from Pittsburgh to fucking San Diego in the RV. Yeah, we pulled straws for that. And everybody was like all pissed off at each other and oh, just bummed and it was terrible. Yeah, it was pretty everyone's just pretty messed getting up. drunk and on the on the fucking drive back, like not in a fun way. And then we made it to San Diego, but we then we had a show in San Diego at Canes. Remember that? Right. And, and <clears throat> that's where um we called in a favor to a uh, friend of ours, Andy, um, to see if he could fill in on bass uh, for that particular show. And he did. And it's funny because now Andy is actually the bass player of our band for the past. For longer than any other Longer bass than any player. other bass longer player. Yeah. Any of the bass yeah. players. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 Was, was he in the band at that point or did the... Did, uh... Did he eventually join at a, a later date? Later date. It was like yeah. he 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 did that fill-in show. And, you know, it's funny because, like, when Scott, our original bass player, had quit the band, John Bell, the guy that we're talking about that got sick, was um, – he filled in immediately. Like, he – and he was in a Unwritten Law uh, for, for – he's the original bass player from Unwritten Law, but he had yeah. quit Unwritten Law at that point. So he was, um, he came in and tried out and so did Andy, our friend, 
Um, and we just, I don't know why, but we ended up going with uh, John Bell because he just had more experience touring. And I don't know, he just seemed like the proper fit at the time, um, not knowing that Andy was the right fit, really, um, for our band. And um, yeah, then John got sick. Andy filled in. He was like really, really cool about it and stuff, even though like we didn't pick him to like be in the band, you know, after his like audition or whatever, after Scott quit. But um, yeah, and then eventually John just whatever, it just didn't work out. And then that's when we called in Andy and he's been in the band ever since. Yeah. We'll be right back after this. Hey everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. The one thing I, I remember about the days after while we were waiting for John in the in the hospital was that um, you guys all got hotel rooms and we were like, you know, Link 80 was all super broke kids and y'all let us crash on your floor in your hotel yep. rooms. Yep. I remember that. Yep. I remember and, that. And, like, stay with us. Yep. That was rad. And then I also remember y'all, a bunch of you had cell phones and it was like the first time I'd been around people with cell phones. <laughs> And I was just like, oh, my God, these guys are balling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Till we got home, we got our phone bills. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had we had one guy in the band with a with a pager. That was it, <laughs> that was it huh? <laughs> uh, I used to have all kinds of stuff back in the day. Bubba Fats. <laughs> put up, put to the phone and go bling, bling, make the noise and you get free calls with it. I even had Oh, you guys did phone. that? Oh, yeah. I had a cell phone that. All you have to do is drive next to someone with a phone. It'll jump on their service. And yeah. we can call oh, my God. I remember that. Oh, that was fucking crazy. That was hilarious. I was a hacker in the band, so I was like, don't worry about it. I got that covered. <laughs> we need a phone? I'll cook it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that, Tony. Remember you'd be like, dude, let's see that guy driving up? Pull up next to him on the freeway. And we could see him. Yeah. He had a phone. And Tony would be like, Dude, let's fucking jack that motherfucker right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The next thing you know, Tony be talking on the phone with somebody. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like, what's it going next? Here you go, dude. Let's call home. That's wild. And the dude's just like driving on, yeah. like, what the fuck? He, his call got dropped. Everyone's calling their girlfriends <laughs> and their fucking parents and their wives and stuff. Dude, that was crazy that was the weirdest thing i've ever because i i'd never seen or like you said dude like fucking no i'd never seen a cell phone before or anything at that point you know so that shit was just so funny we're driving down the highway everyone's talking on the phone with their friends and family and shit back home <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and that that was like the you know the early 90s yeah I guess. yeah, yeah. mid 90s probably oh, yeah. somewhere in there yeah, mid. Yeah, well, mid the Bubba Fett was on the Scama uh, Scama Loser tour, uh, or the second tour, I think it was. That's, Is that 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 well, thing that Shannon has? It's this thing. It's like um, all it does is just an audio device, 
and it's kind of like square, about the size, a little bit bigger than a pager would be. And all you do is you just put it on the um, the mic side of a payphone where you talk in, and you it makes the sound of a coin, the coin dropping down into the uh, payphone. So it thinks you're putting money in it. So when it goes, you only oh, have five. Yeah. It's like brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and you push a little button, a freak. You have forty-five minutes. Boom! You have two hours. Yeah, Boom, you have three yeah. hours. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> that's so. That was the first thing I, I used to jack that. You know, do that to them. <laughs> I yeah. Thanks to I that. that. I mean, dude, we'd, we'd call home. Yeah, and we'd also like advance the shows. Yeah, advance shows was, like that. Yep. Yeah. We just go to pay for. Yeah, we and I nicknamed it the Bubble Fett. You yeah. Know? You know, so okay, but you introduced that. that to we just doing, that's right. Okay. Okay. I forgot what the no Shannon introduced it to Shannon. Shannon introduced it to me. Oh no! But nobody, okay. nobody can figure it out. Yeah. So he introduced it. To me. So just so you guys know, um, Shannon, we're talking about the guy who um, he came up with like the no use for name guys. Like um, he's like a he. Tour manager. Yeah, he was our tour manager and merch he guy. slash merch guy, and um, he was just like he just wisened us up to so much stuff. It was, it was brilliant. Yeah. Including Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So before the Boba Fett, we were just making phone calls like everybody else. And it's, it costs too much. Come home with a $300 bill. There's no way you're going to pay that. Not with not living off of $6 a day for food, not $5, you know, for all the, whole, that was it. You guys were doing five dollars a day per diems. Yeah, we were doing that, and then that that didn't work out too well because we were getting broke pretty quick with doing that. So we yeah. just started buying like lunch meat and spread it out to everybody. <laughs> never, <laughs> never before oh that uh, we would like we would only go to Taco Bell, yeah. and then like whoever was in charge <laughs> of the money at the time would be like, "Okay, everybody, or you can order three things off the ninety nine cent menu. That's it. No drink." Just get three things, and then and then the one person in charge of the money. I think it was Jonas. I I don't remember who it was. Most likely yeah. would pay would pay for everybody on the same tab at Taco Bell. But if anyone was like, "Well, I want a fucking, I want a burrito supreme, dude." That thing's that but thing's a dollar ninety nine. Tony would trade his three for that one. Yeah. What did you get, Tony? It was like one. <laughs> yeah. Like, I got a I got a big I got a big. A big beef burrito supreme. Yeah, so you're all, dude. I don't need to these items. guys didn't want meat; they wanted beans. <laughs> you know, take, take, off, take this, yeah. <laughs> and then we would go to Denny's and, like, once on the tour, have a real meal. And I would, I would order the food, but I would get the lemon. They would bring those lemons, and I would just, oh yeah, can you bring me some water? And I just squeeze it. Can I have some sugar? <laughs> Let's just make lemon juice. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'll just drink this while everyone's drinking soda. Like, no. It was miserable. I mean, as far as like a standard of living back then, it was like was miserable, yeah. but you're having the best time of your life, you know? Like, I've never laughed as hard as I have in those moments. It's just like ridiculous. Yeah. How much, how much of those moments still informs how you move through the world? Like, do you find yourself like, like still going into that mode sometimes, even all these years later? I do. Yeah, I for do. sure. There's been situations where I, my life has changed, where I had to like toughen up, you know, and like 
okay, well, I've dealt with way more worse than this being on the road in the band. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it definitely, that's why to me, that whole, that whole experience, even though it was crazy and I tell other people about it, they go, what? How did you deal with that? I don't know, but I did. And now I can deal with a lot more, you know? So yeah, I, it helps me a lot sometimes, you know, it comes up. <laughs> so yeah. I still order off the dollar menu at Taco Bell. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, that's one of my favorite places. You know, I was telling that 23 hours place. a day fucking suck butt, but it was that one hour a day. <laughs> oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was yeah. That one hour a day that made it all worth it. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's been times like at truck stops in the summertime in the south where it's hot as fuck. And there's one specific time. It was awesome. Like um, I was having one of my I was probably having menstruation, you know, so I was like kind of like I was like really sensitive and like kind of being weird. And like I insisted on just eating by myself and I wouldn't talk to anyone. And so like I I was the, I'm slow as fuck. So I was the last one, always I'm the last one. But this particular time, I was, of course, the last one out of the truck stop. And I walk in front of the van, and I think it was Pebs, like honked the horn and just surprised me. So I had this huge uh, cup of iced tea and I just hucked it at the van, like and it went on the windshield. And then we just, like, that's one of those moments, dude. Talk about informing you. It's just like, cause it made me realize, like, dude, you don't ever have to be that guy. Like that's all self con- self control. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that was definitely those kinds of things. It's like, um, here's a good way I, that I think about it is like, you learn from your parents, right? Obviously you're coming up, you're a kid, you learn from your parents and your brothers and your friends, but then you go on and you have this post like teenage learning with a group of like, six got six other guys where we were locked together in a vehicle in close quarters for like years and years. And it's kind of like an extension of learning. Cause if one guy knows something, then the rest of us are going to know it, you know? So it's benefited me in a lot of ways, especially Boba Fett and not feeling guilty about Jack and the man. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> <For sure. laughs> yeah. <laughs> get up any way you can that's right i want to ask about um so you so you guys on your fourth album right you signed to tbt uh for uh yeah 2018 tell walk us through that whole process were you approached by them or how, how did that whole thing come together um at the time we were on tang and um we decided we want, we needed help. We needed help. We we're done. Like during that time, you have to also remember that the music biz was a completely different animal and labels had deep, deep pockets that they throw a shitload of money at bands. So like, um, yeah, I mean, labels had noticed us and paid attention to us for a couple years leading up to that point. And then um, we got a manager because we were like, we need help. Like we want to keep touring, but we're not self-manageable because there's just too much shit going on. And, um, you know, it was pre-cell phone, but um, yeah. So she organized like some, she, she reached out to labels and organized some meetings with um, labels and some of them came to see us and, um, you know, the, it's probably a similar story to like whatever 
like you said, you were talking to Jay about their deal with Hollywood. So it's like during that time, you know, I even remember a booking agent being like, oh yeah, Suicide Machines, um, blah, blah, blah. Their guy, their label guys coming. You guys should like be aware of that and like play a killer show. And we'd just be like, whatever, dude. Like, but you know, TVT <laughs> was, um, they were just, they were the most interested in us of, of labels at that time. And, um, ironically, um, I mean, you know, a ska band on a label with, um, fucking nine inch nails and, um, all the, like there's, they had a huge hip hop roster too. And like all this crazy shit, but the ironic part of it was they weren't even a major. They were like, they were uh, the biggest indie next to epitaph and they did all their own distribution. Um, and so we were just like, wow, this is cool. This is like, this is what we need at the time, you know? And um, we just, cause I remember some of the other late, like even Island, I think um, Kathy had like Island come and look at us and had like, mm-hmm. when No Doubt got signed to, um, there's little division of, um, it was bef- I don't, a long time ago, I forgot the label now, but got their label people interested in us. And so, but yeah, you know, it was a different time. And um, it was just a, we just, you know, thought, hey, this is perfect. Let's just fucking do it. <laughs> Did they give you a, a nice size budget to record that album? Or what was that process like? Oh, yeah. I mean, we recorded an album that cost like over $160,000. And that's in 1996. So like, um, and that wasn't an anomaly by any means. I mean, every band, like whether it was us or the Suicide Machines or the Boston's, I mean, not that we're those bands, we're a much smaller band, but we all got these budgets, you know what I'm saying? So like whether, whatever, you know, Jay and Suicide Machines got, I mean, we, we got like six figures to, to drop on this and we got tour support and um you know next thing we know supposedly we were in debt to tvt like four hundred and fifty thousand dollars <laughs> oh like, what we're never gonna fucking recoup it and then it was like they went bankrupt and so we we don't own our um masters but um we own all our own publishing we always have so like i think the cool thing is um, and they asked me at one point if I wanted to buy the masters, but we just didn't have the cash. It was like, it was, dude, it was pennies on the dollar. They were going to like sell us 28 teeth for um, like $35,000 or something like that. And in hindsight, I should have just put up my own money or like got a loan or something because it would have made, but at the time we're like, well, we don't have that kind of money. So fuck it. And um, yeah, at the time, that's a lot of money. Now you look at it and it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> to do it i don't know um that's kind of the tvt like yeah it was in it was a trip because they're a new york label they're east coast no ska bands no reggae bands straight hip-hop like uh ja rule and um but yeah it was a trip we did two records with them i mean it was like it was amazing when we when we first signed with tvt like we would go to new york and they had, I mean, it was a huge label. Like they had this, like, I remember they had like a huge staff of people. Yeah, it was massive. And like, I remember the first time we got there and I think 28 Teeth was just like out and like doing pretty good. 
and stuff. And like they had, they took us out to this dinner and there was like fucking 30 people there at this huge table. Remember that? And we were like, what the fuck? Yeah. This is super trippy. Yeah. And like, (laughs) and we were all stoked. And the, the owner of the label was like, you know, at our show, we were playing with Primus in New York City. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he was backstage and he was like hugging us and kissing us. And dude, he was like, fuck, <laughs> dude, this is fucking awesome. He was, he was so was stoked. So, yeah. And man, we were like, well, okay, fuck, dude, right on, you know? And because we that's played what the we show gave in my town. Yeah. yeah and like, hit song on the radio. And then, like, maybe, I don't know, a couple, a year or two later or whatever, when we were, we were getting ready to do the second record with them. And the album, like we finished the record and we had a similar budget, I think, you know, on the second one. Oh, for sure. And we did that, but we also kind of like, you know, changed the game a little bit of our own music, you know, Mm -hmm. style. Um, And, you know, that record didn't do as well as the one before. So by the time we got to New York on that tour, I remember like playing whatever show we were at like in new york yeah and we're like oh cool all the tvt people are gonna come <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're gonna, you know, maybe we'll some dinner some big dinner Sushi's. all the shit yeah nobody not one <laughs> motherfucker from the label showed up not one yeah oh man. yeah we were just like fuck them we're and, done and we were like oh shit yeah. And I think that we even tried to schedule like a, a meeting with them or something at the office. Probably. And they blew us off. Yeah. And I think at the time it was really weird because our manager, Kathy, we were like uh, having problems with her. And so I think we had like fired her or something. Oh, and she, in, yeah. In that, it was a- in that process. And then, so <laughs> we're like, we're we're trying to take the meeting ourselves, like oh we, we can just do shit ourselves, yeah, you know. And so we show up at the TVT offices, me and Jonas, I remember that, <laughs> and we were sitting in the waiting room to like meet with the owner, you know. And we had made an appointment and everything, and we sat there and we sat there, we sat there, and dude, like I don't know, a couple hours went by, and our original. The we original were in total denial too. Yeah, we were like, "Oh, what's going on? Like, where's the sushi dinner? Where's all the fucking <laughs> yeah. staff?" And I remember, I remember the the A and R guy that had, which was like our hero there. Um, this guy Tom Sarig, he had left the label at that point, so we were left yeah. with this other another guy who didn't really seem to care or understand our band. You know, we're from Southern California. We're, you know, San Diego ska band. And he didn't care for that. I don't think, you know, and it was just like super weird. And it was just like, wow, this is like a a moment of like, whoa. And that's also when ska was starting to like go downhill, you know, in the late 90s, late, late. This was like 99, I think. Yeah. probably. But keep in mind, I just want to point this out for like, numbers sake just to show you how fucking idiotic just the music business in those days was is that we got dropped after our album which Hebs was just telling you about which didn't do as well it sold a hundred thousand copies and they still dropped us yeah so it's just like you know because our previous record 2018 did way better than that so they're all they saw was like, 
oh yeah these guys are going yeah but it's not insane like yeah think about the money generated from the sale of a hundred thousand copies of whatever like Dude, those idiots fucking blew it on the massive budgets and cocaine and probably taking us out to dinner. Like, yeah. we paid for those fucking dinners. And the videos cost yeah. a lot of money, fucking too. Fucking idiotic budgets on videos. Like, it was before you could... Yeah, how much How much did the video for my town cost? Huh. I don't even... I mean, it's... it's yeah, not, yeah, we did two. We did the first two. was about 80000 right? Oh, you did you two? The first was about 80000 Yeah, we did two videos for my town. The reason why we did two... Was because the first one that we did, they hired some like some big time, well, maybe not big time, but like medium time uh, director guy. He did a boss tone, like the boss tones, the impression I get. I yeah. Think. He was really good. He was a really cool guy. And we shot this really cool video. It was all in San Diego. And, um, well, no, it was no, no, in it was LA. It was in LA. LA. That's right. <clears throat> Sorry, and so then it was doomed from the start. Yeah, but the problem was <laughs> the video was the video was badass. But what happened was when the label saw the video, the final cut of it, they're like, "Well, there's no close-ups of the of the band," and we're like, "So, like, what's the big deal? Like, you know, we thought it was fucking uh, cool video, and so then they made us strike a new video for it." And I think that, but they didn't charge us though. They, 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 uh, they just let that go. They didn't charge us. Oh, they ate that. Yeah, they ate the cost and they, they're like, okay, well, let's just do another video where we have more close ups of the band. But in the meantime, the, the song My Town was, you know, happening at radio and needed a video to take it to that next level kind of thing. And that time frame, that little time frame passed. By the time we got the second video done. Yeah. So it was like too late, you know? And I don't know. It was just weird, man. Weird shit. Bad kind of like timing and management, but we didn't really even know. We're just like a bunch of fucking ska punk kids and reggae dudes from fucking San Diego trying to play music and be on tour. And it was just like, we just didn't understand how to do things and we had this manager and i don't know it's just really weird weird time yeah and in like hindsight you you wonder like um i don't know it, it's just insane to me like i'm getting back to the whole selling this amount of stuff and the revenue it generates and then you like nowadays what rules is that these indie labels um you, you the budgets are much tighter and you make much smarter decisions. It's all grassroots word of mouth marketing <clears throat> or like social media stuff. Like what you guys do, you know, ska now more than ever. I mean, that's brilliant, man. And so it's like you, these labels that were spending obnoxious amounts of money on fucking cocaine parties and music videos, like they couldn't be that creative. They're these mammoth behemoth fucking dinosaurs that like would have board meetings over the direction of a fucking music video. It's just like, dude, really? <laughs> right. Yeah. And what's funny is they didn't know at the time that they were like two years, maybe a year and a half, two years, three at the most away from being completely broadsided by, you know, the internet and all that stuff. Like, yeah. So they just have this ego about them that could, that was 
like, yeah, sure. It's been the same ego of the music business that's been going on since fucking, you know, the forties or whatever, you know? Yeah. So it's like, and, and then it all just came down, crashed down, ska came crashing down at, you know, a few years prior. And then all of a sudden, you know, Napster and all that kind of stuff hit. And it's just like, Whoa, this is crazy. You know, when you guys were working on that album, did you have a an inkling or thought that My Town might be a, like a single or like no. be popular? No. no, no way. We didn't think all. we didn't think anything was going to be a single. We were just like, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't think our label picked a quote unquote single. No, right? like in, nobody even thought of singles or the radio or anything like that. Ninety one X, they were the ones that chose it. So yeah. Okay, so ninety one X was is that a is that a San Diego station or yeah? So ninety one X is like the it's like the I don't know it's like the K Rock of San Diego. Okay, ninety one X, and like they the label was kind of like insecure about which song to pick, you know, because like in those days it was like the label would choose the single and they would go out and present it to all the radio stations via their radio representative people um in our case the um our label had in-house radio people and they decided to put together like a four maybe five song little thing to send out to radio um saying well we don't really know what song but what do you guys think of these and it was it was 91x in san diego that was like well bing it's my talent. It's that song, which none of us ever thought like anything much about that song, even though, I mean, we all loved it. It was fun to play. Yeah. And it was like the 12th song on the record or something like that. But it wasn't until that somehow spread. And then K rock in LA decided to add the song to their playlist three weeks before the actual, like, ad date you know they have ad dates in radio back then i don't know what it's like now but and then all of a sudden i remember getting a phone call from our manager saying dude k-rock in la is gonna start playing my town tomorrow yeah and this was like three weeks before our set ad date and i thought oh shit and I remember living in like this little studio apartment, the one that's in the video, the yeah, in La Jolla, with my um, wife at the time. And dude, and sure enough, boom, that's when it just it went from there. It was like K Rock, ninety one X, and then just flooded through the country. It was like fucking weird as shit. It was cool. It was exciting. You ever hear, hearing it, hearing it on the radio? Yeah. While I was driving, I was like. I start looking around like there's nobody, nobody to tell them right now. I'm like, oh, we're, that's us. It's <laughs> like nobody. Yeah. I'm just driving. <laughs> like I'm just like, I almost lost control because I was like so excited, but had no one to tell. You know, because yeah, like people were looking at me. While I'm screaming in the car. You know, like what's wrong with that guy? You know, <laughs> it was rad. It was cool. Yeah. So yeah, we never planned. This just happened. We'll be right back after this. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, 
How do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. How, how big of a thing, like, uh, was there anything you think back to that time period where you got the most, like, big, I guess, or, like, symbolic of being embraced by culture that was, like, the most surreal for you? Um, You mean, like, where... We're in popular culture, like having a song on um, Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> there there yeah. you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was kind of trippy. That was yeah. pretty crazy. And then what was the name? What was the name of the, the lead character for that show? Oh, Luke. Um, or was it Luke Perry? Or no, it wasn't Luke Perry. It was, um, the other guy, um, Jason Priestley. We were playing at the Roxy. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and my town was, you know, developing quite well you know, at radio. And then we got the, we got the call where it was going to be on, it was going to be in an episode of Beverly Hills, 90210. <laughs> <laughs> and next thing we know, we're playing the Roxy and fucking Jason Priestley's backstage in our dressing room. He's like, Hey guys, what's up? Like cool song, you know, and shit. And <laughs> I, I remember thinking like, Dude, this yeah. is fucking weird, dude. I feel like I'm on. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. like, right. And I remember, you know, like he was really cool guy, and he was just like, "Yeah, man." But it's Jason like, cool. Priestley. Yeah, at the time, it was yeah. like it was my mom. Like, my mom know. know knew yeah. who Jason Priestley was. You yeah, know? yeah. And I'm yeah. just like, yeah. So that that kind of shit is weird. It was weird, dude. And I grew up in L.A., so like K Rock was you know a big part of my childhood. And I remember calling my parents and saying, hey, guys, l- tune in to 106.7 KROQ um, because they're playing our song on that radio station. And my, I remember my mom and my dad saying, there's no fucking way. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, actually. And I remember my little sister saying the same thing. She's like, she's like, no way, dude. Like, we grew up on that station. You're telling me that you guys are being played on there? And I'm like, yeah, you got to check it out. Just listen. And then when my parents and my sister first, like, actually heard it on the radio in L.A. on K-Rock, they were just like, what the fuck is happening? Like, they couldn't believe it. You know, and then from that point, my dad's wearing like a Bucko Nine hat, and (laughs) he's got a sticker on his car, you know, and all this shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my sister, the same shit. She was like, because she was living in LA at the time and she was driving somewhere and was like, oh my God. She, you know, she like calls me later that day. Oh my God, your song on the radio. And it's like, yeah, it's a trip, man. But um, yeah, it was weird. It's just, I don't know, our lives at that time were also very not normal too. So it wasn't so it kind of just fit in with all these random scenarios that would happen. <laughs> it was just, yeah. it, it was, was just chaos, man. Just pure chaos. Like the good with the bad. Cause there was also like other things that were like, ah, oh, fuck this sucks. And you know, like John Bell of, dying. Yeah. John dying. Bell and like, you know, all kinds of weird stuff. And like, I think too, like the band, all of us together too, were like, <clears throat> you know, we started experiencing problems with each other because we're on the road all the time and there's all these decisions, you know, like 
I remember like being offered um, to go on tour with Primus, right? Tony, you remember this? Oh, and it's yeah. like, you know, half the band was... It's like half the band was like, oh, dude, this is this is fucking cool. Like, let's go on tour with Primus for five weeks. And the other half the band's like, what are you talking about? This is fucking sucks. And there's no way. Why would we do that? Yeah. And then that was me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you you were right. And you were right. (laughs) So you did the tour, right? Yeah. Yeah. We did the tour with Primus and it was like, it was fucking, oh, it was rough. Yeah, that's yeah. not a crowd. I don't see that crowd being super no, into Buck no. Nine. They didn't like no. us at all. But one thing, one thing I remember more. I mean, I do remember the the gnarly fans, the flingers, and the coins being thrown at us. And <laughs> get the hell off the stage! Jesus, knocking our our fans and the pushing them out of the way because they don't even want them there until you know because Primus is coming on in two hours. So get off, get off the floor. But that we that's the kind of stuff that was going on. But I remember. Playpool coming up on on our tour uh, our bus, yeah. and I remember him coming and saying, "Hey, just want to say you guys, great band. You guys sound great. Love you guys. I know our fans are being jerks and dicks and gnarly, uh, but hey, um, I I love the way you guys just push through that and just do your thing." And he saw, just so you know, it doesn't matter who you are, whoever's opening the, the show, they get the same treatment you guys got. It's, that's just how they, our fans are. Don't let that bother you as much as you can, you know? And I was like, right on. I'm good now. He was such a wonderful guy. He was so cool. And then he and he even went further and said, he's like, he's like, just so you guys know, like we went on tour with Rush not that long ago <laughs> and, and their fans did the same shit to us. They <laughs> 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 were like, what? Yeah. Yeah. All right. We, we cannot trip on it then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was at that. Sh- I was at that show when they played Oakland um, rush uh, Primus opening for rush. Yeah. It was, uh, it, um, I, you could definitely feel Primus being like, all right, let's let's get through these songs as fast as possible because we yeah. know we're not welcome here. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's yeah. what we did. Let's play the set. No talking in between. Yep. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Although yeah. we did make the mistake and I remember, I think it was Buffalo, New York, where we finally yeah. we were fed up. <laughs> and we're like, fuck you too. And we kind of got pissed. <laughs> yeah. And then they're all, yeah. And then they they got even worse. They're like, "Fuck you!" And they start yeah. throwing shit at us. And then Dan's oh, yeah. like, "Coins, their coins are bouncing off our horns, ping, ping, ping." You know, and that's when you said, "Throw some more." Yeah, you don't want to get on the wrong side of the Primus of Primus yeah, fans, dude. Oh my god, they they're gnarly. Yeah, like they, they just yeah. Don't call them out. Yeah. Don't call them out. <laughs> you know, you know, Primus has that whole um, that whole thing called they like middle finger. Primus sucks. You know, yeah. they even have an album called Primus sucks, and so people would be chanting Primus sucks, Primus sucks, Primus sucks while we're playing. Yeah, and we're like, <laughs> dude, oh shit. And we only have a 30-minute set, too. And it was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, so they got to stop sooner or yeah. later. Nope. nope. They just yeah. keep doing They it. just kept going. Yeah. Yeah. Why well, our, our, uh, our Scott fans are behind them trying to – they can't – they won't even allow them to come up front. Like, you're not coming up here. We're going to take this whole front <laughs> section yeah. and, and tell these guys Prime has sucked for 30 minutes. And then you guys can go check them out when they walk off stage. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, was, it was gnarly, man. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. 
That was pretty hardcore. But yeah. we made it through it, yeah. just like the Beatles, you know, pursued through their fucking time at the whatever, the Cavern the Club. Cavern you know, yeah. like everybody got that chill. Yeah, yeah, I never regret that tour. That tour no. was amazing for just so many reasons. Yeah, like, I mean, it really, holy shit. It, it, you know, it made us strong, you know, and tougher, you know, and, and we can do now. We, you know, I feel like we could, we could be up in front of any crowd you know it's like oh it, yeah it, i'm not afraid to play i don't care what band it is they can that we open for go ahead bring it on because we're just going to get back in the van and crack up and have video footage yes. of it and show our yeah. friends and family the blues brothers with the, the blues brothers yeah. when they play in the chicken <laughs> yeah, yeah totally <laughs> yeah exactly. we used to laugh about that and then we ended up being in that fence yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> Dude, totally. that's exactly what it was like. It was like that fucking seat. Every and night kept for going. like six weeks. Yeah, six weeks. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> and then we were right into yep. fucking uh, touring with Smash Mouth right after that. Oh, my God. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Oh, man. More crazy stuff. Uh, how, was, how was that? And what, was the, what did the Smash Mouth crowd think of you? That one was better for us. Well, that, that was a lot yeah, better. Yeah, it was mostly our crowds. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, yeah, we, we took over that. Yeah. yeah. We were able to do really well on that tour because they, they were just kind of like this one hit wonder and whatever. And like we, we got to the point where, you know, we, we started realizing like, wow, a lot of these people that are coming here are like ska fans and like maybe like fans of ours or they're just fans of like the ska scene. And so we kind of got stoked. Because some people would start to bail after we would play. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And then half empty. And then, dude, remember we 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 got into a fight with them? (laughs) Oh Oh, yeah. (laughs) Wait, we gotta we have to hear this story. Wait, wait, you got in a fight with Smash Mouth? Yeah. All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's hear it. There's two separate um with two incidences. So I'll I'll explain the one that happened with our, at the time we were driving in a bus and um, we were like, it was way after the show. And um, the singer who sounds like there's some really sad shit going on with him, but um, now, yeah, yeah, now, but he was wasted and he was like sad back then too. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. He's he was a weird he's, guy. Yeah. But weird anyway, guy. I wish him the best despite yeah. how, but he was trying to like, quote unquote, fix our bus with a screwdriver. And um, he was wasted. He was like on Coke. Oh my God. It was so insane. And our bus, and you know, all of a sudden our bus driver just bails out. And I hear all this yelling you know, behind the club and behind our bus. I'm just like, what the fuck? And I go out there and it was just like, <laughs> like, a, yeah, it, it was, it was pretty bad. That and was so, in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. I remember that. And one thing about that, that particular, uh, okay. So here's another anecdote I just want to put out there to show you how fucking insane it was. One of those shows, third eye blind was on the bill. Oh yeah. And, um, so after our show, I was like in a really bad place because my grandmother had passed away and I just got the news like that show. So I was upstairs, like sitting on the couch, mind my own fucking business. And sure enough, Steve from Smash Mouth finds me, cruises up, sits down on the couch. And then the singer of Third Eye Blind comes up 
not to talk to me, but to fucking figure out how he and Steve are going to score an eight ball of Coke and like, <laughs> who's going to front the money. And I was so fucking livid. I'm just like, dude, really? Like I'm sitting here and you guys come up. And so then Steve from Smash Mouth turns, he's all, Jonas, dude, you want to go in on it? Go in on this eight ball with us? And I'm just like, dude, I lost my shit. It was just like, <laughs> So that was, that was just like the precursor. So like the next story, um, Tony, I was actually right there with you on that. Oh, when that yeah, shit I remember it as vividly as you do. And I remember them both like crossing their legs in this like weird way. They're like, yeah. Hey dude, like fucking like they oh, yeah. were like some posh, yeah, like rich guys or something, you know, like, and yeah. acting all weird. I was like tripping out. I'm like, is, you know, there was like no, I don't know. It was super fucking weird, but we both bailed at the same time. We're like, "Fuck this!" Yeah, you know, dude. It was just so cheesy. Yeah, and ridiculous. And when we bail, I mean, it wasn't like we just laughed. I mean, we was we'd say some shit, like let yeah. them know, like, dude, yeah. you're fucking stupid. Yeah, you guys are lame. <laughs> you guys like, are lame. The first night, the first night we uh, we went on tour with them, we were all bummed because. Like they decided they're going to ask us how many records we sold. And yeah. so we all like, dude, really? Like, fuck you, you know? And so finally, like before we were playing, I was the only one that they found like backstage. I was warming up and um, Steve again, fucking kook stick. And I, I, and I mean this, in like, I don't know. but he's all, dude, how many records did you sell, bro? And I'm like, we stole 5 million, seven inches, man. And, and he's all really, you can sell 5 million, seven inches. I'm just like, yeah. It, I mean, fuck. well, I remember, I remember a similar thing too. They, they would ask like, Oh, dude, like, how many ads did you get this week? We're like, ads? What do you, what do you mean? Like, advertisements in magazines? Or they're like, no, dude, like, radio ads, bro. And we're like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> like, hey, don't forget God. to tell them, don't forget to tell them about the, uh, the, the the fans that came on our bus and thought, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, this is the real. <laughs> so this is where it really yeah. goes down. <laughs> Everything was just a precursor to this. Well, no, there's there's two. There's one more. Okay, we got we got to hear all of them. Yeah, yeah. There's one more after this. You want me to tell? Them? Yeah, tell it. And yeah, it includes. It, thank God, Steve. Oh yeah, yeah. you got to Yeah. <laughs> so we, I can't believe we made it this far on the tour, but we get to New Jersey. And we're playing at the Stone Pony in 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 New Jersey, and which is like you know we played there before at this point several times I think, and we've done pretty well. And so you know we play the show, and it was again one of those shows where like we did really really well I think, and then you know some folks started to split whatever, and then they played Walking on the Sun and all the shit. Anyways, the show's over, and the singer somehow gets like <clears throat> i don't know he gets all upset and fucking he, weird because towards because like, oh dude you're forgetting the one key thing so like a couple of us were on the bus just hanging oh out. yeah i was getting to that oh okay <laughs> <laughs> well because i think the thing on the bus happened after the fight with steve 
Oh, we're, well, Steve, our drummer, Steve. Our drummer, Steve. Fucking, okay, so if he, Steve, like, when he takes his glasses off and he starts coming at you, you better run fast. Yeah, this fool can hit hard. So he basically, yeah, he took his glasses off and he was going after the singer, Steve. And so anyways. he was talking shit to us. Well, wait, 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 wait. You guys are missing something. All right. So, <laughs> listen. So. I forgot what city it was, but we were, it was, we have been playing some really big venues. So we were co-headlining. So it wasn't a big deal if, if they uh, didn't strike the kit and all that stuff. So this, yeah, yeah, but this, this night for some reason, um, well, it was a really small venue and there was no way they were going to leave their drum set up there. And we, if it, we would have literally had to, John would have had to stand one foot away from the kick drum. It would have been that stupid. So Steve said, "Well, you know, let me just go talk to him and and see because they had like a crew of people loading their stuff up, and we did all of our stuff ourselves because we were like, we don't need a crew to set up our kit. You know, we, we set up our own stuff. So Steve thought it'd be cool to, you know, it's like, hey, well, let me just go talk to him." So he goes and asks the guy about their, their their roadie guy about the you know you guys gonna strike your kit right, and he saw what he saw. Uh, well, let me talk to the singer or something, the band. So he goes, uh, he goes and talks to the band, and I guess the singer told him, no, you're not striking the kit. They, those guys can set up in front, and then so they the guy comes back and tells Steve's their roadie guys like, no nah, man, they uh they don't want to they don't want to strike the kit. And Steve's all, are you serious? He's all, well, I'm going to go talk to him. So Steve goes over to him, the lead singer, and he's just saying, he's all, hey, man, um, what's up, bro? He's all, hey, you know, we, I understand you, you don't want to strike the kit, but this that, that stage is tiny. He saw, is there any way you can just, you know, take it off? And he saw, I'll even help you put, help the guys put it. He's all, what? He saw, he saw, just not punk rock, bro, to, to Steve. And then Steve's ah. all punk rock. What the? F-? He's all you think it's punk rock to put your kid up there with? He's all you got all these people helping you talking about punk rock. You have no idea what punk rock. And then, boom! All of a sudden, it's just like dust flying everywhere. Both of them are covered, like they're yelling and screaming. Steve is getting bigger and bigger, like turning into Incredible Hawk. <laughs> this is not going to go good. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you see the lead singer just hauling butt just fast as he can. He's running to to the dressing room and Steve is like one reach arm reach away from grabbing him. He's trying to grab him. But then the guy goes into the dressing room, he slams the door, he locks it, barricades it. Steve is kicking the door, trying to get in. He can't get in. We're running over to ask Steve what's going on. He's like, I'm gonna kill him, I'm gonna kill him. This mother we're like, dude, calm down. Calm down, what's up? And then we finally get Steve to calm down and we're like, he tells us, he's like, yeah, when he comes out, we're going to get him, you know, but sure enough, he never, so he never comes out, you know, we go back into the, our bus and then here comes some fans. They come on the bus and, and they got, they think we're, they think we're Smash Mouth, you know, I don't know how they think I'm in the band and no brothers in Smash Mouth, but they come on the bus anyway and they're like, they're like, there's Dan. I think Jonas did some of this, and I think Craig. Yeah, and, I was um, there. <laughs> yeah, they come on the bus, they're fans, and it's these chicks, and and you know they're nice and stuff, and they come on the and and they're like, "Can you sign our shirts?" And the guys are like, 
uh, what? And I look at him like, these fools think we're Smash Mouth. And, and I'm like, oh, this is not good. And I'm like, and Dan's like, don't say nothing, don't say nothing. I'm like, all right. So they lay the shirts down and they're writing on there, we are dicks and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> my favorite, Tony, my favorite was uh, we wrote, I eat poo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget that as long as I live. Oh my God, dude. So the fans, they, they, they don't know really what's being written yet because Dan is covering and making sure they don't see it. And he just hands it to them backwards and they grab it and they're super stoked. They don't even see it. They just grab it and you ball it up and they're just happy to be on the tour bus and they're just looking around for the rest of the guys. We go, yeah, okay, you guys take care. We got we to gotta get ready. And so they walk away with these shirts and then all of a sudden we get a knock on our bus and it's their manager and he's saying what you guys did is blah, blah, blah. So it's not right. And they're pissed and they threaten to kick us off the tour. And we're like, go ahead, kick us off. We're going to play every show one day before you guys for free. And anyone who has Smash Mouth tickets will will play it. Remember that? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah that's exactly so what like, happened. We're like, yeah, cool, yeah. dude. Kick us off the tour. You guys fucking yeah, suck. Yeah. Yep. And then so we called their bluff, and their their manager came back and said, if if the guys who did this would apologize, then you know. And and so we had a band meeting. We're like, just go ahead, dude. It's been done. We'll never forget this. Just go ahead and apologize. We ain't got to mean it. Just do it. And we apologized and we went ahead and finished the tour because we didn't want our fans to like come and not, we not be there. Right. So that's yeah. the only reason why we did it, you know, but yeah. we finished the tour after doing that to them, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for listening to In Defense of Scott. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to the show wherever you normally download podcasts. If you haven't already, grab a copy of my book, In Defense of Ska, available at clashbooks.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's at In Defense of Ska. You can also sign up for my newsletter at aaroncarnes.substack.com. You will get the podcast sent directly to your inbox every Wednesday. In Defense of Ska would not be possible without the great team that tirelessly works on it every week. So you should go check out their other projects as well. Co-host Adam Davis has a great band called Omnigon. Give them a follow on Instagram. It's simply at Omnigon. And our editor, Chris Reeves, has a phenomenal record label and podcast called Ska Punk International. For more information, go to skapunkinternational.com. And on that note, we leave you by saying, Ska now more than ever. Thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.